Good. Well, it's always good to be here, always good to be with God's people, and we're actually celebrating a number of things today. We've got a baptism coming up, so excited about that, um, but we're also, this is the first time we've had them here since they got engaged. We're celebrating Eddie and Lauren's engagement. Wave your hands back there, y'all. We want to just celebrate y'all. Let's give it up for them. It's taken two weeks to get them back to church after they got engaged, so... You guys need to stop traveling. You just need to to settle down for a little bit, and we're excited about you all. So May, sometime in May, right? So May 6th, we're just announcing that here. So everybody, I was trying to help you all out. You know, I didn't know who, if you want everybody there or not. So yeah, so so May 6th, tie in the knot, excited for you all and in your lives, and love both of you very much. Uh, Spring break is on us right now. Some people have spring break this week. A few people had it last week. A few people have it coming up. If you're homeschooled, you might not get a spring break, you know. Saying that for all the homeschoolers out there. Come on. Uh, If if you're not in school anymore, you don't even know what spring break is. But uh, my final spring break of college, uh, senior year of college, I I went with my buddy Bryce. Now, we had been talking all throughout the whole college experience about going to Canada on a backpacking trip with this whole group of guys we were close with. And so we get to our final spring break in college. It's now or never. But we were at that stage where women had become more important than the bros. You know what I'm saying? Like guys in relationships, guys getting married. And so all but two of us had women. I, I was one of the ones who didn't. And all but two of us ended up staying with the ladies. So I looked at my buddy Bryce. He was my roommate. And I said, Bryce, we've got to do this. But the problem was Canada was just two of us seemed like a, a really big thing to do. So we decided instead to find somewhere a little closer. So we're in Kentucky going to, going to school. We decided to go to North Carolina. And right off the coast of North Carolina is this island called Shackleford Banks. And Shackleford Banks is the only place east of the Mississippi River with wild ponies. And they, stallions, let's call them stallions because we were two dudes going. We didn't go see ponies, we saw the stallions. And so my buddy Bryce and I decided to go to Shackleford Banks and these horses had been there since the 17th century when Spanish ships had crashed off the coast of North Carolina. The horses had swum to land and were living there. And so we're like, let's go spend a week with the horses. So we go out there to this island and we hike up and down the island and we see the horses and Bryce tried to ride a horse, which I think is a federal offense. He didn't, if anyone's listening on the podcast right now, government, he didn't ride the horse, but he tried to. And so we get done with that and we had a couple days left of our spring break. And so we decide, let's try something a little different. So we already backpacked up the beach. We thought, let's backpack in the mountains. And so we, we go to the Blue Ridge Mountains, which are all there through North Carolina. And we decide we're going to try to summit the Blue Ridge Mountains. Here's the problem. Bryce was in charge of planning this part of the trip. So I planned the first part. Bryce planned the second part. The problem with Bryce, and he's like some of you, he's a creative. In other words, he can't plan anything, okay? I love my my friend Bryce. He's amazing, and he cannot plan. So we get to the point where it's time to go figure out what our plan is, and he has no plan. And we're up at this point. We're already driving in the mountains with no cell reception, so we can't look up other plans. So we're lost. And he had this one place. He's like, I think I know where we can go. And we go to the one place where we can go climb a mountain, and it was closed. You can't get in the park. And so I'm just, I'm seething inside a little bit, just, just a little frustrated with how creative, creative Bryce is. And eventually we, we stumble on this place and it turned out the place we ended up at was the highest peak in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So we climbed the highest one. And so we get out, we, we change out some of our stuff because we weren't backpacking on the beach, we're backpacking in the mountains, change out some of our stuff, hop out, we start hiking up and we get up to our first campsite the first night. And we go, we get all our stuff out and we didn't have tents, we were just sleeping under a tarp. So we get the tarp set up and we get under and then Bryce realizes that he forgot his sleeping bag back at the car. Now, it's spring break, but it was a particularly cold spring break in the mountains. Now, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to sleep in the same sleeping bag. 
We didn't do that, okay? So uh, I slept in the sleeping bag. Bryce slept by the fire under his jacket. And we thought, he'll be fine. He's a big guy. He's creative. He'll figure it out. So, so Bryce goes out there. And the next thing I know is when Bryce is waking me up in the morning. And I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm warm. I'm comfortable. I'm in a good place. He says, hey, man, you ready to, ready to start hiking and get to the peak? And I said, Bryce, let's just sleep another hour or so. And he said, okay, that's cool. But I can't feel my hands. And I look up at Bryce, and his hands are purple. And I look around us, and it had snowed that night. And my creative friend Bryce had slept in the snow by a fire that had gone out, and he was about to die. And he was like, if he didn't have hypothermia already, he was very close. And suddenly I jumped into action. And so we go, and we end up summiting the peak, and it was great. And Bryce didn't die, thankfully, and we made it back down. But this, this taught me something important about life. And I knew, but Bryce learned, the creative friend. It's important to have a good plan when you're doing something. It doesn't matter what it is. So if you're here today and you come away with nothing else, just, just come away with that. And all your type A friends will like you better if you just learn how to get a plan. It's crazy the things to me we don't have plans for in life. Like we have plans for a lot of stuff. If you, I had a friend who just had a baby recently, and they had game planned out. This was number three. Game planned out that day. They knew where the kids were going. They knew where the bag was. They knew where to get stuff. Like they just knew what to do. But then there are whole areas of our lives where we just don't have a plan. Like sometimes raising kids. You're just like, they're 18, and you're like, oh, I probably should have thought this one through a little bit before they're 18, you know? I probably should have thought about this. Whole areas of our lives, we don't have plans. And one of those big areas is when it comes to our money. So this, this is objectively, like you know this, your life touches money more than most other things. And when, when financially things are going well, it's so much better than when they're not. But very few of us have a real plan for our money, and one that we actually Follow. Now, why is this a problem? It's a problem because as humans, we, we tend to make really poor decisions. And when we make poor decisions, it ends up leading our lives, leading our hearts in bad directions. Jesus talked about this. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus uh, is in Matthew 6. There's, there's, five, there's three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We know is the Sermon on the Mount. And this Jesus just lays out his teaching on all sorts of stuff. It's teaching on marriage. It's teaching on getting along with people. It's teaching on anger. It's teaching on money. It's teaching on anxiety and stress. He just lays it out. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19... He zeroes in on money. This is what he says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And focus on this final verse here. This is where we're going to focus in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Next week, we're going to touch on some of the earlier part of that, but I want to focus on that final verse. Where your treasure is, where your money is, where your money goes, is where your heart will go also. Where you spend your money, where you invest your money is where your heart goes. Anyone who's ever invested in something knows as soon as you put money somewhere, you care a lot more about that company. I remember in high school, I invested in a company called Corning. They make Corningware. Right? They also make Gorilla Glass, which used to be used on iPhones. I don't care about Corningware. I don't care about Gorilla Glass. But as soon as I invested a couple hundred bucks in them, I cared. I followed them every day. I focused on it. I was a Corning fan. I would follow the news. I would have like news alerts set up about Corning, the people who make your little Corningware. I cared about them because my treasure was there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will go also. And here's what the, the big point, and again, this is the big idea for today. So if you're going to jot something down or remember something, remember this. You have to lead your money, or your money will lead you. 
If, if you're not out in front leading your money, then you're going to end up where your money wants to go, and your money is going to go all sorts of places. You've experienced this. If you've been in a really bad financial place, likely it's because your money started leading you, and you are no longer leading your money. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So lead your money. Don't let your money lead you. Now, this is an issue because our money leads us because it's, it's so easy to go where the money wants us to go. And we, Scripture teaches us why this is in a number of places. I want to go to Proverbs for a minute and bring out just three Proverbs. Anybody, so in the one-year Bible, which we've been going through as a church, and grab one of those on your way out if you don't have one yet. They're in the next steps area. But in our one-year Bible, we've been reading through the Proverbs. And you want to talk about conviction. Read through Proverbs, and you'll just get convicted of everything in life. And it's, this first verse I want to share with you is, is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. And a lot of us have a life verse um, that's aspirational. We, we want to live into that, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, if I know the plans I have for you, or uh, maybe John 3, 16, because you don't know any other Bible verses, so you pick that one. But, but this one is, for most of us, our true life verse, whether we want it to be or not. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. In other words, if you don't have self-control, you are exposed to whatever comes your way. I'm not going to have us raise hands, but how many of us, this describes most of our lives. You're broken down, you got no self-control, so your life is in shambles. And here's one of the problems, one of the reasons that Jesus is teaching that you have to lead your money or your money leads you, is that he knows most of us have a very limited amount of self-control. And if we don't have self-control, you're broken down, you're exposed. So Jesus says, where your treasure goes, there your heart goes also. Got to make sure your treasure goes to the right place. So we lack self-control. Here's another thing that's true about us that Proverbs teaches us. We're selfish. Now, you may not realize you're selfish, but you sure know your family member next to you is. You understand this about them. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil. Something about choice food and olive oil makes me think of Gordon Ramsay or just like a, you know, a cooking show, and that sounds so good. And I want to live that kind of life. I don't want to necessarily cook that kind of food, but I want to live that kind of life. The wise store up choice food and olive oil. But listen to what happens next. The fools gulp theirs down. You ever been eating with someone and, and like you've made the food? Like you've, you've cooked the food and you put a lot of time into this and then the other person just scarfs the food down? And you're like, yo, like, appreciate this. This is some good food. And they're just scarfing it down. That's what fools do, it says, is that we just gulp things down. We're selfish. We're selfish. And when it comes to our financial lives, we're selfish there. Doesn't matter if, if you're making... $250,000 a year, if you are, by the way, let's be friends. Doesn't matter if you're making that, or if, if you're making, you know, you're, you're in high school and you make, you're gonna make 250 bucks this year. We tend to be selfish and scarf down and gulp down and focus on ourselves. Here's, the, here's another issue Proverbs raises for us. We prioritize now over what's best. Now, how many of us can look at our finances and say, that's my problem? I prioritize Taco Bell at 1 a.m. over paying my tuition bill at the end of the semester. I focus on shopping now because there are great deals, and if I say no to a great deal, I'm dishonoring the Lord by not being a good steward of my money, so i got to spend all my money, instead of putting some money for retirement or paying down those loans I have or paying off my credit card bill, right? We prioritize now over best. This is what Proverbs 21 verse 5 says. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. When you're in a rush, when you want now, 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 which is our whole culture, you end up, the Bible says, in poverty. But it's when you have a plan and you follow a plan, you end up with profit. 
So here's the idea. Lead your money. Don't let your money lead you. Lead your money. Don't let your money lead you. Here's the problem. Many of us have grown up in families where the money led. And the biggest fights you can remember were about money. And the stress that even as a little kid you could feel from your parents was about money. And there was no peace when it came to money. And there was no abundance when it came to money. There was stress. There was frustration. And you never learned how to manage your money or how to lead your money. And now you're experiencing the same thing. And there's really two mindsets to go along with this. And again, these mindsets don't have to do with how much money you make. Because you can make very little money and have the right mindset. Or you can make a ton of money and have the wrong mindset. In fact, did you know the people who are in the most debt in this world are the people who make the most money? Like, the more money you make, the more you start spending even beyond what you have. So your issue, if you're having financial challenges, is probably not an income issue. It's a spending issue. It's a planning issue. It's how you manage your money issue. And so we have to lead our money. And there's these two mindsets. One is a scarcity mindset. Most of us grow up with this. And we have to intentionally choose not to live into a scarcity mindset. The other is an abundance Mindset, And let me tell you some questions that go along with these. And I want you to listen to these questions and see if these are the questions, which category you might fall into based on these questions. If you have a scarcity mindset, in other words, there's not enough, and I won't have enough, and I, I'll have too many bills to pay, and I won't have enough money for them. These are the sorts of questions you ask. What should I buy this month? I got a little money. What should I buy? Or maybe you ask, how do I pay my bills? I don't have enough. Anybody here ask that question? Like, how do I even pay my bills right now? How do I pay my bills this month or this year? Is it time to upgrade my car, my phone, my subscription, my, is it time to upgrade? This is a scarcity, it sounds like the opposite. You think, wow, if I've got enough money, it's an abundance mindset to ask if I can upgrade or not. That's a scarcity mindset because you're constantly thinking, how can I get more and more and more, which works against abundance. So if, if you have a phone and it's still working, don't get a new phone. If you got a car and it's still getting you from point A to point B and breaks down less than you know, four times a year, keep driving that car. Just keep doing it. Uh, because this, the, the, if you're always asking, how can I get more, how can I upgrade, then you're going to end up in a scarcity mindset in a scarcity place. Th this question goes along with it. If you're asking this question, you probably have a scarcity mindset. The question is, could I afford that monthly payment? And the answer is usually, I bet I could. I bet I could squeeze it in. That monthly payment is not what you need to be putting your money towards. That's a scarcity mindset. Again, I know it sounds like you're like, I'm going to get more. I'm going to live a nicer life. That sounds like abundance. It's not. That's a scarcity mindset. Can I afford that monthly payment? Is it time to upgrade? And here's the final question in the scarcity questions is this. What do I want? That's a scarcity question. You're going to find yourself with anxiety, with a lack of peace, with not enough when you ask these kind of questions. What's the abundance questions? The abundance questions allow us to see where we are and, and, and if we can, how we can lead our money forward. This is the first abundance question. How can I save for it? I need to get it, or maybe even I just want to get it. How can I save for it? What do I need next year? So you can start planning for it. How can I be more generous? That's an abundance mindset question. How can I give more to other people? And you can start asking that question when you're making $7.25 an hour or when your parents are paying you less than minimum wage and you're making $2 an hour to do your chores or when you're making you know, $100 an hour 
You, you can ask the same question, where can I be more generous? Here's another abundance question. How can I live with less? Another abundance question. What are my priorities? When's the last time you've sat down with your money and thought, what are my priorities? Not what do I want, not what do I have to pay this month, but what are my priorities? So here, here's where all this comes down to. Proverbs chapter 21, verse five, we already read it. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So we're gonna talk about plans today in our remaining time, talk about plans. And if you're gonna lead your money, you have to have a plan to do that. When I was young, growing up, uh, probably up until I was about eight, and then I quit getting an allowance at eight. Like that's, that's borderline child abuse, isn't it? Like, how was I supposed to buy stuff? I had to start raking people's yards and like mowing people's yards and putting up flyers in rich people's neighborhoods to get money. That's, what, that's what was how I made money through my life. Uh, and so I, so I but I, before that, I got an allowance. And, and it was very simple. My parents taught us how to budget based on this. You know, the, you know that really good icing you can buy at the grocery store, like the stuff that comes in those cans? Like it's, it's almost, I think it's better than what most people make at their houses, those icing cans. Yes, you guys know what I'm talking about. You know the ones you stick your fingers in and you get the big globs out and you eat it, okay? So, so my mom had a bunch of those and she, when we hit a certain age, I think it was like five or six, she would give us each four of those. And she put paper on the outside so we could decorate it however we wanted to. And the first jar was for giving back to Jesus, giving to the church. So whenever we were given an allowance, we'd take 25% of it, which I found out later was a lot more than a tithe is. That's two and a half times a tithe. My parents tricked me. My dad's a pastor. That's why they tricked me. And so I had to give a quarter of my money, literally probably a quarter of it, to that. And then I had to give another quarter of my money towards saving for college. I'm a five-year-old. <laughs> my parents don't even know if I might be really dumb and can't even make it. And they're still having me put a quarter of my money towards college. That was a risky thing to do. And then I took 25% of my money and put it towards special savings. In other words, anything you wanted to buy that wasn't a normal thing. And, and so I decorated this one and put guns on it because that, that's what I was saving for. Toy guns, real guns, didn't care. I wanted to get guns. <laughs> And I think I put a sword on it as well because those are the priorities, special savings. Okay, so, I, so 25% towards the church, 25% towards college, 25% towards special savings. And then I got to keep 25% to actually spend on what I wanted to spend. And that's, that was the first time I learned how to budget as a five-year-old. Now, here's, here's the reality of our lives. It's way more complicated than that. Budgeting is way harder now. If it were that easy, more of us would do it. I was about to say all of us would do it. We wouldn't still, but more of us would do it. Some of us would see the value of buying guns and just put more into the special savings category, right? But it's more complicated now. And, but we still need a plan. If you don't have a clear plan, then you're going to end up in scarcity. And it's really this simple. It's really this simple. We're going to talk next week about how to, how to grow wealth. We'll talk the week after that about how to be radically generous. But I want to talk about the nuts and bolts of just having a plan for your money because we're trying to lead our money and not let our money lead us. So every, everyone's different. Some of us have kids. Some of us own homes. Some of us have apartments. So everybody's different. I want to give you some broad principles and then some general percentages of how to plan. Now, look, this, this is not like I've got it all figured out. There's going to be some broad categories here. But I think these categories guide us in the right direction. So here's the first thing that there are three principles of what your plan should do. Here's the first thing. It should provide for necessities. 
In other words, you gotta have a place to live, right? That's what you're already thinking of. I want a budget, I got to have insurance, I gotta have a place to live, I gotta have a car, and so it should provide, and food, I almost left that one off, and clothes to wear, please, put some clothes on, so you gotta have at least those things. So provide for the necessities. But we tend to expand out what the necessities are. I was a youth pastor up in Kentucky. Uh, one of the responsibilities I was given this day was to go and get some food for this lady. She was part of the church and she had run out of money that month and didn't have to spend on groceries. And so I got along with the kids pastor. I was a youth pastor. We, we went and took her list of stuff to get and go to the grocery store to get it. And we started going down the list. And I have never in my life eaten so bougie as what this list was. It was all brand names. Now for me, brand name is Kroger. Okay, that's like the nice stuff. And then I found out at some point in my life that was actually the generic kind. But she's asking for all the brand name stuff and like special, it's like some really nice stuff. And I was looking at that list and I was a guy at the time, I've told you all this many times, but I was only eating rice and beans at that time in my life. And so I'm looking down at like all this stuff I would love to have. And I'm buying this for this lady. Now look, here's the thing. Like I don't know her whole situation, but here's what I know she was living in a scarcity mindset she didn't have enough money to make it through the month because she was asking for the nicest stuff if you're living in scarcity right now it's probably because you're asking for nice stuff and looking for nice stuff and if if you just downgrade your expectations to the necessities you're going to find a freer happier more abundant life So your first step is provide for the necessities. No more than 75% of your income should go towards this. Now, most of us are living at 90 to 95 to 105% on the necessities. But no more than 70, and we'll get to why in a second, but no more than 75% of your income should go towards the necessities, which for many of us is going to require us to seriously downgrade our lifestyles. But I promise you, if you do it, you're going to find more abundance and joy. My sister, who's up here playing piano, Hannah, she, she decided this year, one of her resolutions was to not buy anything new in 2022. I can see why you picked that now. That rhymes. Did you say that? The tw- nothing new in 2022? That's really catchy. Nothing new in 2022. And so I asked her about it today. She said, well, okay, so here's the deal. I actually bought a, a desk off of Facebook Marketplace, but it wasn't new. I just bought it. And I'm like, if that's your like broken your resolution and we're three months in, you're doing pretty good. So her whole goal is not to buy, to buy as little as possible and to buy nothing new. Now, like, I'm not saying do that because that's crazy, y'all. Like, that's, that's next level. But for some of us, and I don't know exactly why she's doing it. It's not because she's not doing well with her money. She's an amazing steward and manager of her money. For many of us, we need to take that kind of thing. Look around. You got clothes? You got a place to live? Then go buy some food and that'd be the only thing you buy. And gas. I guess that's a big chunk right now, isn't it? <laughs> go buy food and gas. You can do it. And there's a reality of if you're living at the, at the very limit of what you're bringing in, you're going to stay stressed out and anxious. So, so provide for the necessities. Again, no more than 75%. And here's why no more than 75%. Because we're trying to put our money where God wants us to go. Here's the second principle. I'm going to tell you what to do with some of that other money. Plan for the future. So the first step is provide for the necessities. Next step is plan for the future. And this is where many of us go wrong with our budgets. According to the data, about 80% of Americans have budgets. But here's what their budgets are, because they do it on pen and paper, with pen and paper, which is fine to do. But what they're probably doing is saying, okay, I gotta pay, I gotta pay mortgage this month, I gotta pay for my apartment this month, I gotta pay for food this month, I gotta go out to eat this month, and then don't follow it, right? You've done this many times. You've made your budget, it's a beautiful budget. Some of you, it's color-coded, right? These are you're the planners, not the creatives, you're the planners. And you have this beautiful, it's color-coded, it's drawn out, it's like a whole, like, you got a spreadsheet going, but you also have the physical copy, and you do nothing with it. 
Okay, so when, when you're budgeting, you have to plan for the future, and you need to take at least 15% of your money and put it towards the future. That may be retirement, that may be paying off loans and paying off student debt that you have, but you need to take at least 15% of your money and go towards the future. Because one of the things Proverbs teaches us is the problem with how we handle our money is that we're not spending it looking forward, we're spending it on right now. And those who, those who make plans are the ones who profit. And so we're going to plan ahead as followers of Jesus. We're going to plan ahead with our money to plan for the future. I'd say at least 15% should go there. And that's really just for retirement, actually. There's other things you could spend it on, but a chunk of it needs to go there. Now, here, here's your challenge and here's my challenge. There's a lot of things I want right now, and retirement's a long way off. And paying student loans off is a long way off. Well, retirement's not a long way off for some of y'all. Some of y'all, it's maybe a long way in the back. You know what I'm saying? But you passed it 10 years ago. But it's, it, looks, it looks far off, and it looks like it's distant, but it's coming up, so it's hard to do it. So here's what you need to do. You need to automate your behavior. There's, there's an author named Victor Hugo, lived a long time back, back in the 1800s. He wrote Les Mis, if anybody's a Les Mis fan. He also didn't expect that reaction, but that's good. So he wrote, he wrote Les Mis. A great, great French author, but he was a terrible procrastinator. And you're like, oh, suddenly I can identify with him. And they, they asked him to write a book. These publishers did. They gave him one year to do it. And at the end of the year, he had written nothing. Can I get an amen? Like, he had done nothing towards it. And because and he, he loved going to parties and hanging out with people. Can I get another amen? amen. Okay, that was a little less. So, so we're procrastinators. We don't do anything, but we don't like parties. I'm learning. I'm learning this. <laughs> and so, so he, he needed a way to do it. So here's what he did. He took all of his clothing... He put it in a box, locked the box, gave the key to someone and said, take this key away. He couldn't get into it. All he had left was a blanket he wore. And so there was no going to parties. There was no going out. All he's wearing is a blanket. So what did he do? He wrote like crazy. He finished it in just a couple months. And the book we know today is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. He wrote that book in a couple months wearing only a blanket. Think about that next time you read it. And he did it so quickly. So what he realized is he had to have something external that kept him honest, right? He couldn't have access to it. So if, if you want to be serious about planning for the future, you need to automate your money. So if you want to put money for retirement or you want to pay off your loans, schedule those payments to go out automatically from your bank account as soon as you get paid. So I do this with, with almost all my money because I don't, I, don't, I don't have a lot of self-control. And so I do, the, so by the time, I get paid once a month. So at the very beginning of the, the very end of the month, I get paid. And by about the third day of the month, I have like 150 bucks left in my bank account. And that's like for gas and food and whatever else I need. I have nothing left. So I'm like, okay, no, I can't spend it or I won't be driving anywhere or eating this month. And a lot of you need to follow my example of knowing your weakness and automating it out. Plan for your future. Automate it out. If you want to save for retirement, schedule that and do it. If you want to pay off your student loans faster, schedule the extra payment and do it. Okay, here's the third principle. So, so we need to provide for necessities, plan for the future, and here's the final one. Prioritize generosity. This is usually the first thing to go. What I've learned in my life, and we'll talk more about this in a few weeks, but is when you put generosity first, everything else takes care of itself. And over and over again, I talk to the people of God who've been following Jesus for decades, and I hear story after story of how when I put God first, when I put other people first with my money, when I was generous, God makes everything else work out. It doesn't seem like it at the time, but he always does. And the baseline for that, I think, is 10%. That's the Bible talks about a tithe. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. But I think it should go beyond that, too. So no more than 75% for necessities, 15% for the future, and 10%, 10% for generosity. Here's why we do all this. And this is kind of, I want to be honest, you guys look bored right now. This is a boring sermon to preach. Like, I don't want to talk about budgeting on a Sunday morning. 
I don't want to think about that, but here's why we're doing it. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we have to lead our money or our money leads us. I want my heart to be where God wants it to be. I want my heart to be in a place where I can love others well and be generous. I want my heart to be in a place where I'm not constantly anxious about how I'm going to pay a bill or I'm constantly anxious and thinking about things here. I want to, be, I want to have a heart that's focused on what God wants me to do, focused on loving other people. I want to have a heart that's at peace. I want to have a heart that isn't concerned and worried all the time. I want to have a heart that is going the direction God wants me to go. And your money will pull that focus in that direction off every single time if you don't lead your money well. So we're about to go to prayer, and it's, it's kind of weird. Like, do we pray about our budgets right now? Do we pray, like, the Lord to give us more money? What, what do we pray for right now? Well, what I want you to pray for is I want you to think about how you're spending your money. Think about the plan you have or you don't have. And I want you to have an honest, brief conversation with God about what change you're going to make. If you're doing great right now, you're, like, killing it. You're, like, you went through the Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey, and you're, like, the most Dave Ramseyest of people. You're, like, you're, you're living off the rice and beans kind of life, and you're thinking, I'm doing it perfectly. Here's what I want to challenge you to. Give more money. Be more generous with somebody. Go help somebody else. Uh, maybe, maybe you think you're not planning for the future. Maybe you're not living simply enough. So let's go to the Lord in prayer.